This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good morning, gorgeous. How are you ladies doing this morning? I hope you're doing wonderful. Welcome to the Dr. Dab Show. I'm your host, Dr. Dab. And we are continuing our series on understanding the purpose and power of women, God's design for female identity. This book is by Dr. Miles Monroe. And today we're discussing the key to fulfillment. But before we get into that, I first want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to every single one of you who listen to the podcast, who have been following me since 2020, who comment on my Instagram pictures, who send me messages, and emails, and support, and most of all, prayers. Thank you so much. I love each and every one of you, and I am truly grateful for you being here, listening to this content, and just supporting the work that I do. Well, I did talk about the fact that in 2023, we're going to be doing an elegant year. That's like the theme, the overarching theme, and a year of elegance and, of course, wisdom. And each week, I want to just give you something to focus on, something to try, something to incorporate into your week that just helps you to feel elegant. Being a feminine woman and an elegant woman has been something that has transformed so many of your lives. And I'm beyond grateful that God gave this assignment to me to share and to also learn from. And I want to make sure that we're continuing in it and that we're not falling off or forgetting about the things that have shaped us and changed us. So an elegant year is a way to just sort of get back into remembering the things that can enhance your life in a way that brings you back to peace, to womanhood, and all the things, God being center, but some of the other sort of, you know, practical day-to-day things, (laughs) the things that you do in your life also being present. So this week, I want you, if you're able to wash the dishes with candles only. This is going to be different because most of us probably don't even wash our dishes by hand. We use a dishwasher. But I encourage you this week, just one day, it doesn't have to be every single day, just one day out of the week. You can buy like the long stem candles that are reasonably priced. You don't have to buy like scented candles or expensive candles. They can just be normal, like a pack of five long stem candles and light them enough to where you can see in the kitchen. And instead of turning on the lights, wash the dishes in candlelight. It will show you how peaceful and beautiful it is to do something with warm candlelights. It will help you to really focus on what you're doing because you probably won't be able to see as well. 
Okay. Definitely make sure the dishes are cleaned, but you're going to have to pay a little bit more attention to what you're doing because it's a little bit, a little bit darker and it just kind of gives a romantic and elegant feeling to be in a space that is candlelit. And I, I just want you to experience what it's like because it is a very nice experience. So maybe if you know, if you have children or if you're married, you can do it once everyone's in bed so that no one's like (laughs) tripping over things or running around the house or wake up, you know, really early around like 4 a.m. when it's still dark and do the dishes in the darkness with candlelights. And let me know how it affected you if you're on social media platforms or if you have my email send me an email, let me know what that experience was like. I really enjoy doing that. Well, 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 let's go ahead and sit back, relax, get something to drink, get something to write with if you're taking notes or take out your book if you have it, or just just sit back, just sit back and relax. And let's talk about the key to fulfillment. Just so you know, with this book and with all of Dr. Miles Monroe's work, everything is so rich. Like there's so much content that he gives whenever he does a, whenever he did like a live sermon or writes anything, it's just so filled. And so I'm not going to be able to read every single thing. I'm not going to be able to read things word for word. You're going to have to read the book for yourself if you want every single thing. I am just really breezing past different topics, giving you like, just thinking like little samplers, giving you little samplers of things. Um, But I do encourage you to purchase the book and read it or listen to it audibly. In this chapter, we're talking about fulfillment. And I want to know, what do you do in your daily life that causes you to feel fulfilled? Or what do you do in, in your life in general? Maybe it's not every day, but you've inserted it into your life that causes you to feel fulfilled? Is it the way you dress, like your personal style, knowing that you're walking out of the house, just representing yourself in a certain way? Is it time that you spend with someone, maybe someone you love? Is it creating, whether it's writing or painting or cooking or sewing or creating on social media? Does that help you or make you feel fulfilled? Is it being a listening ear to someone? Maybe you're someone who likes to help. And so as long as you're in a position where you are helping someone, you feel fulfilled. Is it eating a good meal or taking a hot shower? What is it that you do in your life that truly allows you to feel fulfilled? And I want you to think, is that thing really sustainable? Like, are you able to feel fulfilled doing that thing? You know, let's say it's going on vacation once a year or taking a day off just to go to the spa. Does it make you feel fulfilled all the time, each time, no matter what's going on in your life? Does it take over your mind? Is it something you think about all the time? Like, is your mind just stayed on these things? Does it take over your finances? Does it take over your time? And does it enhance your life to the point that you feel like you actually need these things? If things are going bad, if the going gets tough, let's say you run out of money or you, God forbid, go through like a 
breakup or some sort of devastating situation, do those things still satisfy you in those moments? Or is it only fulfilling when things are going well? True fulfillment comes when we know who we belong to because it takes the stress off of us. It takes the worry, the anxiety, the planning and thinking and stressing off of us because we know that we belong to someone who's taking care of those things. So true fulfillment only comes when we know who we belong to, when we know why we are here, and when we're doing our assignment. The source of so many of our problems in this world, including the misunderstanding and mistreatment of women, is that we have lost ourselves. We have lost our understanding of what it means to be human as God created us. We have lost our sense of purpose. God is a purposeful being. He purposes, he plans, and he carries out his plans. God always knew what he wanted to create before he made it. Similarly, he always knows what he wants to carry out before he accomplishes it. This theme is found throughout the Bible, right? When God said in Genesis 1-3, let there be light, and there was light. God is purposeful and he always carries out his purposes. I want to direct your attention to Isaiah 14, 24, which illustrates a vital aspect of God's purposeful nature. It says, the Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned, so it will be. And as I have purposed, so it will stand. This verse says that God has sworn an oath. Now, when people swear an oath, they have to find something higher than themselves by which to swear, right? When you were younger, you used to say like, I swear on my mama, I swear on my unborn child. I swear, you know, you want to swear on something that people just feel like, okay, this is like super serious or this is like the highest person in this person's life. This is the most powerful thing that's happening. So let's, Let's use that and then they're going to believe me, right? So as humans, that's how we do it. But, you know, God is greater than that. When God swears an oath regarding something, he has to fulfill what he swore to do because he's totally faithful to himself. And he swears by himself because no one and nothing is higher than God. That's the only thing, the only being, the only way that he can swear is if he uses himself because God is the greatest above all else. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's a creator of everything. And you know, it's interesting because people love to give the devil credit. They have made Satan a celebrity, but the devil was created by God. Satan is not God's rival. And I really, really want you to get this into your spirit. Satan and God are not fighting side to side. It's not God against the devil. That's not how this works. Satan is not God's rival. He is an archangel. He is an angel. God created Satan. Satan doesn't have the power to even defeat another angel. Okay, let alone God. My goodness, he he can't even get to that status. He's an angel. He's a fallen angel. But he's not God's equal. They're not rivals. 
any and everything Satan does, he has to have permission from God. So I just want to slide that in there when I was talking about God swearing on himself because he's the highest, just to remind you that nothing and no one compares or even competes with God. So when God swears on himself, it's because he is the highest being. And when God created you, my love, that's not where your story actually began. It started when God thought about you. We think that we're insignificant sometimes as as humans because there's so many people in this world. And even all the people who came before us, right? It's like, what am I? Who am I? Like just one person. And we hail and we fall over celebrities and people who are popular because we think, oh, they're unique. They're special. They have something interesting. They have something good. There's only a few out of a huge group of people that are actually gifted, actually important. And that is a lie. But we are oftentimes just put into categories that make us feel like we're just one of many, right? Whether it's categorized by your race, by your age group, by the stage in life you're in, by your birthday, like when you were born, what year you were born, by your hair type, by your blood type. There are just so many categories and things that we are thrown in that just make us feel like we are one of many. We're not special. But it's a lie. You are unique. There may be similarities between you and someone else. You might even be a twin. But there are differences. God created you for different reasons. Put you together in the same womb. And allowed you to be born with someone else, not literally, but, you know, he allowed someone else to share space with you. But you're not, you're not your sibling. You're not your twin just because you may look alike and no twins look completely identical. There's always differences, always. And it's funny because even when someone is not your twin, but your doppelganger or something of that nature. Sometimes there are so many similarities that it just feels a little like strange. It's almost like, I thought I was the only one that had this, right? Some people are like that where they have something unique and they think they're the only one and then they get upset when they find out someone else has it. Let's say you have like a really unique name and no one you've ever met has this name and you just love your name because it's so unique. And then one day, Someone somewhere has your name and you just get so annoyed because you thought you were special. Well, you are special. You are special. They're not you. And I have a podcast that's already come out. So I'm sure you've already listened to it. Or maybe you watched the video on YouTube where I did an interview with my twin, Essie Michelle. She's not my actual twin. She's just my quote unquote twin, because we look alike. People always confuse us. We're both influencers. We're both from Ghana. Our names are both Michelle. I mean, the similarities are just kind of scary sometimes when you think about how similar we are, because even her husband, interestingly enough, even her husband, when I was younger, I had a boyfriend that looked almost identical to her husband. And he was like my like my favorite boyfriend growing up. He was like the one that I would always kind of like 
if he wasn't the way he was in terms of his lifestyle, like this, this was like my guy. Like this is the person I always saw myself with as a teenager because we just, we just connected. Like we were just, I don't know, it was just easy. So to see her with someone who looks exactly like someone that I dated as a teenager, it's almost like, wow, like our people's lives just sort of like jumbled up in this way where we naturally just kind of have the same likes and dislikes and certain things just kind of go together in a way that we can't explain. Maybe, maybe, but I guarantee you that regardless of how she looks and how I look and her husband and my husband and her path and my path and her job and my job, we are very different. We are very different, even though certain things may be similar. And if you as a person get super caught up in how similar you are to someone, you do lose your uniqueness. If someone tells you that you look like this supermodel or you remind them of this person and so you try to shape your life like them or you're constantly looking at what they're doing and thinking, well, because we have the same birthday or because we're the same sign or whatever, we should be alike and I should be doing this and this is why I act like this because this is how we are. You lose yourself. You lose yourself and God created you so different and God is intentional about everything he creates. God knew that there was something on earth that needed to be done. And then he decided who he would need to create to do it. That's how God works. Everything is made for a purpose, with a purpose. So you are who you are. The womb that you were born from, meaning your mother, the place that you grew up, the way that you look, everything about you is based on the assignment that he worked on when he created you. He knitted you in your mother's womb. But before he created you, he knew you because you are a finished idea. You are a finished assignment. And it's so necessary for you to know and believe that because that's how you are able to keep from losing these things. It says in Jeremiah 1.5, I chose you before I formed you. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. He set his people apart. The Lord God set apart the people that were going to be for him. He chose you. If you're a child of God, if you gave your life to Christ, then not only did he create you for his purpose, but he chose you. He appointed you a prophet to the nations. He had an assignment that was based on what he needs for the kingdom of God. And that's why abortion is something that is commonly thought of as not really a big deal. And so many of us women get abortions thoughtlessly. But when you get an abortion, it's serious. It's serious, not just in a physical way, not just in an emotional way, but in a spiritual way. It's serious because that baby was an assignment. And when you abort that baby, you throw 
everything off. I remember listening to a prophet who sees angels and a lot of people see angels and see the supernatural. So that's not necessarily unique. But what he said, which was so interesting, was he said that he knows when a woman is pregnant, even if she's not showing yet, right? Even if she has no protruding belly, he knows because he sees her with two angels. Okay, we all have at least at least one angel. But he says that he sees them with two because the baby is given an angel even before they enter into the world. As soon as the baby is in the womb, that baby in God's mind is finished. It's a finished assignment because he sets the end before the beginning. So God completes whatever it is and then he starts it. So he's already decided this this little girl is going to be the first female president. I made her, I purposed her, I plan everything out. It's now done. Okay, let me go ahead and put her in this person's womb and let's get it going. Here's her angel to protect her for her whole life. That's why the angel's with the mother. So we as people, we're limited. Okay, we only see what we see and we make up things in our mind to determine what we think is appropriate or what we think we want. And so many times we don't consult God. We don't ask God what he thinks. We don't know what God wants. And that's how we end up with problems. In the book, he says, God is saying, my purpose will be accomplished. No one can interfere with it or hinder it. When I give a purpose to something, your plans, your ideas, your opinions, your perceptions and prejudices about what you think it's purpose for is inapplicable. In Proverbs 19.21, it reads, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. What we need to keep in mind, however, is that when we try to change his plans, We're working against ourselves because he created us for good and has our best interests in mind. This means that since God made the female and the male for certain purposes and he designed them to fulfill those purposes, there isn't anything you and I can do to change them. We cannot alter his design, even though psychology may try to tell us the purpose for men and women, but psychology cannot influence God's purposes and design. They are unchangeable. All psychology can do is investigate and explore the mysteries of nature, of men and women, but psychology can never change their nature. Theology, which is like the study of religion, may also try to tell us the purpose of humanity, but theology cannot influence God either. What theology says about God and men is only as true as it is accurately expresses their nature. So don't confuse your limited knowledge of God with biblical doctrine because your knowledge may change next week. What you know about God today and what he's shown you so far tomorrow, you'll know and understand more. The Bible is God's revelation of himself to us. And it's our most reliable source of his nature and of his purposes. And as someone who is a psychologist, 
for me, there's always been a battle between science and spirituality. Once I became born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, I had to re-examine everything from a new perspective, everything, because psychology clashes with God in so many ways. And it's part of the reason why I ended up quitting my job working in the school district, because unfortunately, my personal values, I mean, it wasn't the only reason I had a baby and I want to be a mom and I don't want to share my time working outside of the house. However, this was a part of my job that made it very difficult for me to do my job. (laughs) And I still did it. I still did my job the way I should do it with the Lord's help. But I knew that God was telling me, your time here is up. But the reason was because the things that I was being asked to do conflicted with my beliefs. And I had the answers spiritually to help these teenagers, these teenagers who were truly suffering. However, because of the church and state issues, I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And I couldn't say everything I wanted to say. And they weren't able to get the truth. The truth is what sets you free. Okay, the truth is Jesus. The truth is a person. And the truth is what sets you free. And if I cannot share the truth, then I have to watch people suffer when I have the power through Christ to help them. And I can't, I can't deal with that. I can't get down with that. And so it's important to know that sometimes things will clash. If I have teenagers who are struggling with their identities, who feel like maybe they don't want to be a boy or a girl because they were born in the wrong body, or they feel like they are attracted to the same sex and they're confused and all of that, and they're truly suffering, I want to be able to to help them untangle this. I want to give them truth. I mean, these are children, These are children. Their minds are being formed. Their ideologies are being shaped. They need guidance. And the parents aren't doing it. The school isn't doing it. And they're they're handicapped because they don't have the means to just go to a random church or just pick up their phone and watch a sermon. They don't even have a cell phone, right? Then they need people who can truly guide them. But if my hands are tied, how can I do that? It was very difficult. I mean, like I said, through Christ, I was still able to do it to the best of my ability and set people free. However, it was not the way I would have wanted to do it. And it was becoming too difficult. And we have to remember that psychology and science and and even theology, even things that certain pastors say or certain evangelists or different people say, are not always true. And it's not because they're trying necessarily to mislead you, but sometimes people just get it wrong. Sometimes people just haven't grown enough yet. And so we can't take everything from psychology, even though psychology does explain a lot of things that that God created beautifully. And it's important to know these things. It's just not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story, right? 
And so we just have to be careful not to lean in too much to anyone's evaluation and anyone's indoctrination or explanations. And we need to go straight to the source because you can. You can pick up your Bible and you can read it and then you can pray and ask the Lord to show you, to show you in your own life. And God will do it. He will do it. Okay. God created everything with a purpose. Purpose motivates the action of creation. This results in precision production. I want you to consider these questions. Why are humans different than animals? Why is a bird different from a fish? Why is the sun different from the moon? Why is one star different from another star? Why are women different from men? Everything is the way it is because of why it was created, because of its purpose. God determined that human beings would be different from animals in their nature, right? In their, in their flesh, its characteristic design. He determined that birds and fish would also have distinct natures. The sun is meant to do a job that the moon isn't supposed to do. So God created the moon different from the sun. The moon is made to do its job and no other job. The moon does not give light. It reflects light. Therefore, God does not put any light on the moon. God also made stars of different sizes and luminosity for his own purposes. The point is that God made everything the way it is because of what it's supposed to do. And there's another aspect of purpose and design that we need to consider. Suppose you buy a camera. Even though you may not understand everything about how your camera was made, its components are still necessary for the fulfillment of its purpose. You know, when you buy like a huge DSLR because you want to be a YouTuber or you buy a cute little vlog camera, you see this manual and you're like, whoa, you just want, you just want to press one button and let everything do what it does, right? And you don't want to figure out what all those extra buttons mean. But just because you don't understand the nature of a product or you can't operate it, you shouldn't get angry. There probably isn't anything wrong with it. You just don't know how it works. If you can't operate your camera, it doesn't mean that you just throw it away. You don't understand what was in the mind of those who made the camera because that's their area of expertise. However, they are aware that, so they provide a manual for you to refer to to use your camera. And when it comes to male and female relationships, it is like we bought a camera without proper training on how to operate it. We have disregarded the manual and then we become frustrated or angry because we haven't been able to get our relationships to work, usually after paying good money for them too. Okay, you paid a lot of good money for those relationships, getting your hair done, your nails done, makeup, clothes, perfume, shoes, purse, you know, (laughs) it's costly, it's costly. When women get married, they spend a lot of money on the wedding, but they don't know how a marriage is supposed to actually function. Now, even though we've thrown away the manual, we still often look for help and advice. So it's not like we just throw away the manual, but then we're just like, okay, not knowing how to use it. 
No, we still need help. And so you probably just go on YouTube and just like Google, how do I operate the Canon 650? And you watch 12 videos. Some of them just like, I can't understand this guy or like, what is this? Until you find one that just makes some sense and you try to do it when you actually have the manual right next to you. (laughs) But he says that many people turn to popular talk shows magazines, and books to find out how to make their relationships work. However, many of these media dispense cheap psychology. Be careful when you start taking advice on relationships because half of those people on those programs and in those articles aren't married and never were, and they probably can't stay married if they are. Ooh, that was deep. Being as someone who has a talk show on relationships, look at him coming for my jugular. Oh my goodness. God is our designer and manufacturer. He knew exactly what he wanted when he thought of the female. He had her in mind before he made her. He first concluded what he wanted, then he created her and caused her to function in exactly the way he had planned. So everything in life, Everything that God has created has a purpose and is designed according to that purpose. However, not every purpose is known to us. Humanity has lost its knowledge of God's purposes. It has not respected the fact that God's creation and his directions for living were established for a specific reason. And that if that purpose is abandoned, we will never function properly as human beings. And when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Okay, many people want to cut God out of their decisions and just be free. But freedom never actually comes because without God, you're left in the hands of the devil. God will give you over to what you want. Okay, he's not going to force anything on you. But he'll give you over. He'll say, okay, that's what you want. Then go for it. And he'll wait. Because he loves you. He's a good and wonderful God. He'll wait until you come crawling back. But he'll give you over. That's not freedom. Freedom is when you are able to live in limitations and live under the covering of protection. Because you are always being protected from something. The principle here is that you cannot move away from God and be successful. You cannot cut off your relationship with a manufacturer and expect to find genuine parts somewhere else. When you ignore the warranty, any part you're trying to find on your own will will not be genuine. You cannot develop into a better product without the help of the manufacturer. And God says that when we reject his purposes, he gives us over to a depraved mind. In other words, he's telling us without me, your mind isn't going to get any better it's actually only going to get worse. Therefore, if we think that we can find out how to be better women or men without God, we're in trouble. For the consequences are serious. When we believe that we don't need God, we get worse and worse. How many people have been suffering from these very consequences? If you don't want to live in God's purpose for mankind, then you will end up doing yourself harm. Again, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We have many plans, but God has a purpose 
and most of the time, our plans are not in harmony with God's purposes. It says in Romans chapter 1, 18 and 19, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth of their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain in them because God has made it plain to them. So what the scripture is basically saying is that the wrath of God is already being revealed from heaven against ungodliness. It means that when you turn away from God, you cause your own problems. God is not punishing you. I know a lot of times we think God is punishing us and he actually is not. We wouldn't even be able to handle God's punishment. My goodness. A lot of your hurt comes from the package of consequences that you receive as a result of the decision that you made to ignore God and his ways. The burning is in the heat. In other words, you don't need God's intervention to get burned. Just put your hand in the fire. The judgment of you putting your hand into the fire is inherent in the fire itself. You get burned. Okay. Some people blame the devil for the results of their actions. Like I said, we give the devil a lot of credit that he does not deserve. We made Satan into a celebrity. Some people really do think that it's always the devil. And a lot of times some people are some people are just like kind of obsessed with talking about the devil. And I really urge you this year, like if you're one of those people, really try to watch how much you talk about the devil in terms of giving him so much credit for every little thing in your life. Because when you do that, a lot of times you miss God. Sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes it's God. (laughs) And it's not that he's actually harming you. Sometimes he's just showing you something different or he's allowing something for something to grow within you or he's showing a new side of himself to you in a way that you don't understand because our our minds can't understand everything as they're happening. And the Lord told us to lean not on our own understanding. So stop giving the devil so much credit for everything. It's not always the devil. The devil just takes advantage of your decisions. The devil cannot dominate you or force you to do anything. The devil waits for your decisions. When you make a bad one, he'll write it out to the end or just as far as he can and he'll try to bring you down with it. Satan is not the culprit. The culprit is your rejection or ignorance of God's purpose. You don't know God's purpose for living and so you abuse your life. Be careful. That abuse can cripple you or even kill you. And I hate to say this, but I do know some people personally who have been killed by their choices and they weren't able to stop. They were just on a roller coaster and they couldn't stop. And it's so sad because it doesn't have to be the way. You have God. He's there. He's a choice. He's right there waiting on you. Just reach out to him. Just reach out to him. You don't have to keep doing whatever it is that you've been doing. Don't abuse what God gave you. For example, if you were born, let's say, let's say you're born very witty. Yeah, quick comebacks. You're good with your mouth. You can just kind of fire things and it's like, ooh. 
people hear you talking, they're like, dang, girl, you sent an email and it's just like shots fired, right? And so you just feel like you have this strong ability and you use it for cussing people out, arguing with people, shutting people down. And you think you have a skill, right? You're abusing your gifts. You're perverting your purpose because that's not what the purpose of that gift was intended for. Perhaps when God was thinking about you and creating you, he intended you to be an advocate for disabled children or a politician who would change the world for the better. Or maybe he gave you a gift of the prophetic. You're a whole prophet, but you don't even know And you're using this for arguing, meaningless, senseless arguments, dissensions. He says in Jeremiah 1.5, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. When purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Let me tell you, personally, I went through the same thing. I went through the same thing. That is literally how I ended up meeting Jesus. I used to use my intelligence and my gifts to gossip. I I genuinely love people. I love having a good time. I love laughing, connecting, and it's very easy for me. But I truly did not know what else to talk about with people other than other people. If I'm talking to someone at work, then we're talking about coworkers, like we're talking about work stuff. If I'm talking to a friend in college, we're talking about college stuff. It's like, I always focus my conversations on people instead of on what God called me to talk about. And I really did not know the depth of what I was doing, even though I always felt like I shouldn't be doing that. I always read books and I had this constant tugging to fix my tongue, right? And and not just the gossiping. I also used my tongue to be very like harsh with people who were close to me. I would say things in a very, very harsh way. And I always felt bad after, but I felt like they needed to hear that. <laughs> And it was awful. And I actually got caught gossiping. And that is that was the beginning of me giving my life to Jesus. I just felt so disgusting as a person. I was just like, this cannot be how God created me. Like, there's just no way. This doesn't look good on me. Like, there's just no way. There's no way that someone so beautiful can be doing something so ugly. That That's how I saw myself. I was just like, and this wasn't that long ago, girl. Don't think this was like 10 years ago. This was like, what, three years ago, maybe? It wasn't that long ago. I really was disgusted with myself and I had to change because I could not believe that after all my years of gossiping, I actually got caught. <laughs> it was so embarrassing and awful. And that's what led me to Jesus. That's what led me to Jesus. That was the beginning of the transformation. And God literally was able to 
convict me. Holy Spirit really made me feel like this is horrible. I had to take away the shame in terms of feeling like I am a horrible person, but I was able to learn through Christ that it wasn't me, but it was something I had inside of me that I needed to get rid of. And then he was able to show me why I love people and I love talking. It's not for this. It's for this. It's for encouraging people. It's for healing people. It's for educating. It's for all of the beautiful things that were also in me that I wasn't paying any attention to. And that's what happens. That's what happens. It says in the book, (laughs) speaking of gossip, one example of murder because that's literally what you're doing is you're murdering people with your words. An example of murder is gossip. We all probably have met some excellent qualified gossips. They train in it. They know how to give you just enough to create a tempting aroma. <laughs> I don't think I was that skilled in gossiping. That's that's like high level. I don't think I was that skilled, but I, there are some people I think that really are so good at it, but I've only seen them on TV. Um, if some people would take the energy with which they gossip and use it for promoting the gospel, the world would be changed. The skill and talent necessary to carry out some of these behaviors comes from God, but it's been perverted because it's not being used for God's purposes. And when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. The Apostle Paul told us everything God made is available to us to do with what we want. But he also added a warning. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Then he gave an example. He said, food is for the stomach and the stomach for food. What was he talking about? He was saying that there's a purpose for everything, but you don't always know the purpose of something. It can enslave you when you don't know because not everything is beneficial. Paul was implying that if we are to use food in a way that is beneficial to us, we must understand both the purpose of the stomach and the purpose of food. The stomach and food were made for one another. God designed the stomach for food and food for the stomach so that we could receive nutrition to sustain our physical lives. Yet, we can abuse the relationship between the stomach and food by overeating or by eating food that has no nutritional value. This can cause us to become overweight or lack proper nutrition, resulting in a variety of health problems. When purpose is not known or when desire prompts us to misuse purpose, Abuse is inevitable. And I do want to press in on that because God has been talking a lot to me lately about food. Some of it is definitely for myself, but I do think some of it is also for sharing. Food is so abused in this culture. Okay, food is great for enjoyment and socializing, but for so many of us, food has become a doorway for destruction. And I know it's a touchy subject, it's a sensitive subject, and I get it because It's embarrassing that we sometimes struggle to control ourselves with something that we should have full control over when we think about it. But just because something is embarrassing doesn't mean we don't talk about it. Doesn't mean we don't deal with it. Because that is how things end up becoming 
more serious and turning into mental issues and physical issues. And it's not, it's not wise not to be able to listen to reprimand or listen to redirection and take it in. Food needs to be controlled. Food is not funny. A lot of times people talk about food and overeating and and it's like this joke, like, I'm gonna go eat 10 cheeseburgers and it's like so funny and it's not funny. If people really knew what food was doing to the world, I think it would be taken a lot more seriously. We need as women to be controlled in terms of everything we do. But let's just start with how much you eat and what you eat. It's important that whenever you have a plate in front of you, you know the plan for it. You know that when you start to feel full, you're going to stop eating and save the rest. Or if you're taking the portions yourself, you know that you're not going to load up your plate just because you're hungry or because whatever it is tastes good. And I would love to say, well, you know, every now and then you can go overboard. I, I would love to say that because I that sounds good. But that's not what God says. He does not say every now and then you can go overboard. Because the thing is, when you start to do that, it opens the door to the devil. That's what opens the door. Like I said, the devil's not going to force you to do anything. You want to do it anyway. You do it. And the next thing you know, you're thinking about Twix all night. Or the next thing you know, you're buying Oreos at the store and you're buying fried chicken and all this other extra stuff that you don't normally buy because it just sounds good. Or you just had a little bit of a, a little bit of it at work and now you want more. You know, it's it's it opens a door. It opens a door to cavities, it opens a door to root canals, it opens a door to diabetes, it opens a door to all these things. And it's like, it was just cake. It was not just cake. And beyond that, food suffocates our spiritual flow. It does. When you have a lot of food in your body, you're suffocating that spiritual channel to hear God clearly. The reason why fasting is so important on top of you learning how to control your flesh, control your desires and say, Food, you're not going to dominate me. I'm going to dominate you. The reason why it's also so important is because spiritually, when you don't eat, that channel is open. You hear, you see, you, you are able to have a stronger connection to the supernatural. People who can never hear God, well, how much do you eat? How much are you eating? Food is powerful. It's powerful. And of course, you know, it's something that we also need. And that's how that's how it is with everything. It's always something that it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's not all bad. Of course, it's not all bad. But a lot of people have no plans for their food. They'll eat anything. They have nothing that they say they won't eat. They'll literally eat anything or they will eat as much as they want. Or they'll drink a cocktail every time they go out or they'll drink a cocktail every time someone comes over to visit or they'll, I mean, we all do so many different things. There's so many different ways in which we are abusing our bodies. 
But when we struggle with food, we also struggle with weight. You can struggle with it with weight without struggling with food. But I will tell you that food plays a large role. You struggle with weight, which can lead to depression. And it's a it's a vicious cycle of self-hatred. And it's just ugly. It's just ugly. And because it's something so basic, food, it's like, come on, I can't believe food. Food is the reason why my bank account is overdrawn because I'm ordering Postmates, I'm ordering fast food, I'm buying ribs and crab cakes and, you know, every day I'm treating myself, whatever. Over food? Food is the reason why you can't save up for a new car. Food is the reason why you can't get a gym membership or you can't go on a vacation because of food. That is something that you, my love, have to monitor. And with God's help and grace, he will. But sometimes certain things you just have to be alerted to. And I don't want you to miss that. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And we'll talk more about this later if you want to. I mean, I don't know if you really want to hear about this. I know this was something I was I was kind of shocked when God brought this to my attention. But he did for me. He brought it to my attention for me. And I never thought I even had an issue with food. I'm, I'm not someone who is very like, you know, overly in love with food or I don't eat a whole, whole lot. But it was enough for him to bring it to my attention. And I took it very seriously because I saw a difference when I made changes. So I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing it to you. So back to the point. You can take a deep breath now. You can can exhale. (laughs) Back to the point. What is the answer to discovering your purpose? The answer is giving yourself fully over to the Lord. In Romans 12, chapter 1, it reads, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, we are not to conform to this world's opinions of humanity's purpose, but be transformed into God's original intent in creation so that we can live in peace with ourselves and with others. Many of us don't know God's perfect purpose for our bodies. We've been abusing them, selling them cheaply, filling them with alcohol, drugs, nicotine, or too much food. We've been making a mess of our lives. Our bodies are meant to be God's temple. When you present your body to the manufacturer, what does he do with it? He fills it with his own spirit so that you can be filled with his life and purpose. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Therefore, in order to pursue God's purpose for you, first, you must present yourself to God. 
so that you can know his perfect will. Then you will be transformed so that you can do his perfect will. In this way, his good purposes will be fulfilled in you. So how can we find fulfillment in our lives? How can we find true fulfillment? In order to find God's purpose, you have to find his purpose, then work with him to fulfill it. That is how you find true fulfillment. Finding God's purpose, then working with him. It's a partnership. Your team, you're working together. He's not going to just leave you by yourself. That's why he's giving you his gift, which is his spirit. He's giving you himself. He's putting himself inside of you so that you can work together. That's how you do it. However, we must keep in mind that entering into God's purposes will be a continual process of learning and transformation. Therefore, we need to be patient with ourselves. We should never accept what we currently have as a norm. Even if it may be the current trend or if it's not what God intended, it's abnormal. I don't care what the news is telling you. I don't care what new phrases are being thrown around. It doesn't matter if you're given new options on checking your sex. There's only two sexes, male and female. That's it. It doesn't matter if they add 10 extra choices. Those are the only two that God created, that God acknowledges. It doesn't matter what the world's doing. We should never live so below our privilege that we begin to believe a lie and call it truth. What it is, is confusion. Confusion. When you begin to understand and live in the purposes of God, people may become very uncomfortable with you. You know, when you say stuff like this, <laughs> people look at you like, oh, you're not progressive or you're, you're, you're hateful. You're hateful because you don't acknowledge, agree, or accept people perverting God's truth. It doesn't mean you're hateful. You do not hate them. And if you're in Christ, you actually love them. You hate what the devil is trying to do to sabotage this world by confusing people and making people feel like there's something missing inside of them making people feel like God's wrong. God made a mistake. That enrages you. You're not enraged at the person. You love the person. You want the person to get it right so that they can be free. That's the truth if you're in Christ. That's truly what you want. But the world will try to make it seem, try to spin it like you're hateful so that they can be mad at you or they can try to silence you, right? But listen, when people try to shut you down, when you point to the manufacturer, when you say, look, I know what's, what it is to be a woman. I went to the manufacturer and I got the right manual. They might say, oh, that's an old manual. It's out of date. However, we cannot improve on the original. What's more, when we mend broken relationships between female and male, both of whom are created in the image of God, which of course is why Satan, why the enemy wants 
to ruin this dynamic, male and female, and throw in 10,000 other terms and make people confused about what they think they are is because it distorts the image of God. And although they are not rivals, Satan would love to destroy us because he knows we are God's children. Hurting a person's child hurts them. And even if it's not a person's child, hurting a person's creation hurts them. Someone paints a beautiful picture, makes a sculpture, or creates anything and someone just ruins it, it hurts. They put time and work and love into that thing. So Satan knows if he can pervert, if he can confuse male and female, because it is literally the image of God, God shines himself through men and women differently. He knows he is getting at God. Or he thinks he is. He's really getting at us. He's hurting us. (laughs) And if we don't know, then we're lost. But that's why it's so important for the devil to throw this dynamic off, for you to feel like you're not really a woman, for you to feel like you don't know your identity, you don't know your purpose, because it perverts the male-female relationship that is projected through God's image of him. But when we're able to mend those broken relationships between male and female, both of whom are created in the image of God, we will be able to begin to see healing and new purpose for the individuals, communities, and the nations of our world. So I want to know from you, do you feel like you're fulfilling your purpose for your life? In what ways are you using God's skills that he's given you, the gifts and the talents that he's given you to achieve your purpose? Have you committed your gifts to God or do you just use them to only promote yourself? Becoming who God created us to be is an act of worship. It means everything to God. If you want to talk with our Father in heaven, then just take some time this week and do it. Pray about it. Listen to his answers. Discover your gifts. Ask God to show you ways that you're abusing your purpose. If you don't feel like you're getting answers when you ask him what your gifts are or what your purpose is, then go the other direction. Ask him how you're abusing them. Be willing, once you hear the answer, to change. Change your mind about it and allow God to fulfill his purpose in you. That is the only way, my love, that you will find true fulfillment in life. It does not matter how beautiful you are. It doesn't matter that you have the best weave, the best nails, the best body. It doesn't matter that you're the top of your class. You have a great job. You got a great husband, perfect family. Literally, none of that matters. Those people who have everything I I listed are still taking drugs, still depressed, still hating their lives, hating themselves because it doesn't bring fulfillment. Everything you think you need to be fulfilled is wrong. What you need is God, his love, his direction, and him illuminating the purpose that he has for you and then you fulfilling that purpose. When you seek the kingdom of God, 
first, then everything else will be added on to you. All the other things that you like or want, they'll be given to you. It's God's pleasure to give you those things, but your fulfillment won't be tied into those things. You'll get your husband, you'll get your children, you'll get the job, you'll get whatever, you'll get the weave, you'll get the purse, you'll get the vacations, you'll get the car, the money, whatever silly things, not that everything is silly, but some things that we want can be quite silly, but whatever, he doesn't care. Yeah, that's fine. You want that? Go ahead. 10 course dinner in Taiwan, go ahead, you can have it, who cares? Because that's not what you're going to base your fulfillment on anymore. Now it's gonna be based on him. So you'll still enjoy those things, but that won't be your reason. And that's the difference. I hope this was helpful to you. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at the Dr. Daff Show and my personal Instagram, Dr. Michelle Daff. Let me know if these segments are impacting you. If you have questions, let me know. Also, if you love fragrance and you want to support a kingdom business, then visit findforever.com. I have some beautiful feminine fragrances that are based on biblical promises from God that truly smell amazing and just remind you that as long as you have God, you will be fine forever. Visit the website and purchase a fragrance for yourself for this new season in your life. I appreciate and love each and every one of you. And I thank you for your time. I look forward to chatting again on our next topic. And I hope you have a beautiful day. Be blessed. Bye-bye.